Eight minutes past four. Happy Tuesday, family. Let's talk uh, trending topics. Trending news right now. So let's look at what's happened in social media from the past uh, 24 hours. Uh, social commentator joining us, Busisiwe Khadebe, to unpack just that. Khadebe, how are you this morning? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Asa? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, we keep moving. We keep going. We have to do that. Uh, but yes. how's your weekend been? Because I wasn't, we didn't chat uh, yesterday. Yes, yes. Oh, my weekend was, was, I was working, but it was nice and chilled. No, uh, nothing hectic. Okay, that's great. Are we going to share that money? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should, ne? Yeah, please, let's do that. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk hashtag VMAs first on a nice positive note. We start things. It was a wonderful celebration in the music fraternity, this huge show on Sunday night in Brooklyn's yeah. Barclays Center. So the hottest names in music obviously were there. So, But let's yeah. talk uh, about uh, maybe let's start with the host. What did you think? Doja Cat <laughs> yeah. with her interesting outfits. Um, yeah, she well, she she got the job done. <laughs> yeah, ne? she got her job done uh, with her interesting outfits. Some people were saying they strange outfits. Some were saying you know absurd, but you know it's it's an entertainment um, industry and it was a show after all, even though it was an award show. Um, and she, I think she pulled it off. Mm. Um, in the midst of her wardrobe changes. And I mean, the, the the industry was, you know, kind of going through the most. So yes. <laughs> I think they really needed to just uh, come out guns blazing in terms of even the outfits and everything this time. I'm not surprised that it was what it was. But let's talk Absolutely. about... Absolutely. Yes. Let's talk about the big winner of the night, Lil Nas, and he got video of the year. Yes, um, Justin Bieber took two awards, um, Artist of the Year and Best Pop Video for Peaches. BTS, obviously, for Best K-Pop. They're always, they're always just cleaning the K-Pop section. Um, mm. uh, Travis Scott also uh, featuring Young Thug, MIA, for Best K-Pop Video, as well as the 18-year-old Olivia Rodrigo uh, for her, se- her single, which was Best Song Winner, Driver's License. So those, yeah. Those were the big winners. What do we say of uh, the little Nas uh, big winner? Because he was saluting the gay agenda as well in his acceptance uh, speech for one of his songs. Um, I think it's it's a it's a good thing, um, and you know it's always good where there's a platform to speak about um, issues close to our heart, then we can do that. Um, so yeah. It's, it's, it seems like a progressive step. Yeah, absolutely. And the performances, which one was your favorite? I saw Camila Cabello. Am I saying the surname right? I don't even know. Uh-huh. You don't know? <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. Oh, okay. But I, I'm echoing a sentiment of one person. I have to say I'm guilty as charged. Um, there's a tweet, one person who tweeted, um, only part I saw of the VMAs was Madonna, and then I turned the channel. Maybe that person's yeah. as old as I am, because, you know, <laughs> if you see an artist that you're familiar with, you're like, okay. And then when you see all these young ones, you're like, who is who? What's going on? But um, it, was a, it was a lovely night with a live audience for a change, mm. um, which, like you mentioned, you know, the entertainment industry has really suffered 
um, during the COVID pandemic. Last year, it was it didn't have live audience the um, the show, and you know you you hear artists actually still crying out saying, you know what, guys, we just open up, you know, the concerts, open up, but then they can't without people being vaccinated, obviously, because, you know, COVID is still around. And as you said, one of the winners being Justin Bieber, in his speech, he was talking about how music is such an amazing opportunity and outlet for them, you know, to even be there together and and talking about sentiments of them being in this together, they all here together. Do you think there's a bigger sense then of collaboration and togetherness in the music industry now as we, you know, we continue to battle COVID, but also as we recover from the effects of, of lockdown? I think so, because as I, you know, COVID taught a lot of people um, to to think out of the box mm. and to think of ways to, to promote their music or their art. So, you know, it, it had it was also an opportunity where actually artists who had never worked together because maybe of clashing work schedules or different time zones, because of the pandemic and the lockdowns, they were able to connect. They were able to to to, you know, finally collaborate, even if it was via um uh, technology, using technology and not really face-to-face. Mm. So I think it did bring them closer together and also finding ways of how to make money together because it, it, a lot a lot of the entertainment industry suffered. Not just the artists, the promoters also, you know, managers. It was, yeah, it was a rough year. Actually, it's over a year, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, uh, MTV is celebrating the 40th birthday this year. Obviously, we know that Madonna, as you said, was also part of the stage, just giving some of her, you know, flashbacks in terms of her performances. Uh, And uh, that, I mean, obviously had to be that icon coming in because her hit Like a Virgin won at the first awards show in, in 1984. Yes. So it was really iconic having her there. Um, in fact, you know, the, the, the lovely thing about Madonna, it's not just old people who who relate to her music. She even has a young audience that, that actually still listens to her music. So she, she's relatable. Um, she's across generations. So it was wonderful um, also just, you know, including her, making it, you know, this big iconic 40th birthday. Um, you know, so, so I think, yeah. It was a good thing. Yeah. I actually wanted to say something else. Yeah. I was going to say it was it was a milestone. Like I turned forty last week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome, eh? <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else can we say about the awards? Um, uh, Cardi B didn't get anything, and Megan Thee Stallion, as much as they were very popular this year, they were. But you know what was interesting? It was a tweet that said, you know. Um, I've spent three hours of sleep after the CMAs. Now I'm preparing for an all-nighter for the Met Gala 2021. So, you know, the, the VMAs was just, you know, the, a precursor to the Met Gala 2021, which is still trending right now on social media because, you know, we know the Met Gala is the outrageous outfits that people wear on the red carpet. Really? So it was that lit that we can compare it to the Met Gala because I would never even put those in the same sentence. The VMAs and the Met Gala. Exactly. That's true. That's true. You would never um, because it's just two different things and 
you've, you, we've seen the outfits that people wear at the Met Gala. They, they just out of this world. So, yeah, it was a wonderful night. It was good to see artists performing to a live audience um, and, you know, having live performances. It was wonderful. Yeah. And having the different presenters that were there from Jennifer Lopez, you know. So it was wonderful seeing young and old together for entertainment. Yeah, I liked Alicia Keys' outfit. I saw it on uh, Instagram before I saw it on the actual awards show. My daughter forces me to watch these things, you know, teenagers. So I saw her outfit <laughs> on, on Instagram before I saw it on the actual show. I liked what she was wearing. I don't know who your favorite was in terms of outfits. I mean, you mentioned Doja um, Cat having crazy ones. I, I, <laughs> I didn't really have a favorite. Um, yeah, no, I didn't really have a favorite. It was just, it was just good just seeing a live concert, not concert, sorry, a live award show for, for since it's been a long time, you yeah. know. Um, unlike the virtual co- concerts or shows or, you know, that we've been seeing this one, you know, you actually see the artists and the entertainers together. So it was wonderful. I did like a picture that I saw afterwards, an after party of Doja Cat with Madonna uh-huh. um, embracing each other. So that was also quite nice, you know, young and old embracing. Awesome. Let's talk hashtag vaccine passports now. We cannot not touch on this issue. It's part of our poll question today. Uh, but specifically, the hospitality industry is welcoming these passports. I mean, we know the president is saying that they will be implemented for people who are entering the country and also they might be extended to restaurants and large gatherings and even places of employment, but there's still going to be more clarity on these vaccination passports. Your thoughts? Um. You know what? I agree with one of the callers who actually, the voice notes, who said, you know, eventually I think that the vaccine will have, will be mandatory. Just like when you have to go to the other countries, the yellow fever, you have to have the yellow fever vaccine. You have to have hepatitis uh, vaccine, typhoid. It's a lot of vaccines. So I think the issue is that there are people who are genuinely because of the misinformation that has been going around about the vaccine. So you have people who who have vaccinated. There are people who don't want to vaccinate. They just say never will it happen. And there are people who are undecided who still have this wait-and-see approach. So I don't know if if there's a way um, for government to appeal to the middle people. Um, Then maybe it will tip the scale over because... So far, over 40 million uh, vaccines have been administered, which is still not a lot. It's, it's still far from the herd immunity. And, you know, the health minister was saying that we need to reach another 18 million more adults to reach a 70% coverage mm. um, by December. So there's still a long way to go. Um, and I like something that um, an expert was being interviewed on Sunday on SABC where they were saying, you know, if the GPs, if if government can can get all the GPs, because everyone has a GP, a family GP that they trust. And if those GPs can actually, you know, speak to the patients, their loyal patients, and convince them to go take the vaccine, then there'll be improvement. And we also saw, you know, premiers are going out to hostels they want to involve churches 
to say, you know, you find the pastor saying, okay, guys, you want a full service like before, but we can't have it if no one is or if most people are not vaccinated. So they're trying to push that drive also, which I think it's, it's, it's a good idea. But I really think that if you have not vaccinated right now, you can wait as much as you want to, but eventually it will happen. Um, I mean, as a, you know, like yeah. with the tourism industry, it suffered as well as the entertainment industry. We are in the red list of many countries. We can't travel to other countries. Even if you have a negative um, COVID uh, test result, it doesn't matter. Some countries require a double jab and some countries are actually introducing the vaccine passport. Yeah. So I don't think it's something that we can run away from. And I mean, with regards to the tourism industry specifically, uh, and we know that they contribute about 3% of our uh, GDP. Last year it was yeah. 4 point, well, two years ago, it was 4.5%. The, the sentiment that when staff members are vaccinating within the hospitality industry and that it could get to a place where now we found on restaurants, maybe even stickers and banners on windows saying, you know, come in and, and come to this restaurant. It's safe here because... All my staff members are vaccinated. Do you see that being a reality? You know, I thought that could happen because we've seen it um, some some restaurants in the U.S., I think. But when I was listening to the CEO of the Restaurant Association, Wendy Albert, she was like, okay, we've, the restaurant business, tourism business, they've taken a huge knock because of this pandemic. So at the moment, they cannot be turning away customers, basically. You know, they need to make up the margins. They need to, to, to bring up the, the finances. So she was, you know, saying, in other words, that that is not a reality for now. But eventually, I think when the economy is picking up, um, it might end up being that way. Mm. Um, and you hear people or see people on Twitter saying, um, then we will boycott those restaurants then, which an economist has warned against, saying, you know, you, um, businesses might find themselves in, a, in an, a disadvantage where people are like, okay, if you don't want me because I'm not vaccinated, I won't enter. Mm-hmm. And the numbers of the unvaccinated are more than the vaccinated at the moment. So do you think that vaccine passports might be more accepted if we are saying that let's just make sure we standardize in terms of our international guests? So those coming into the country having to provide those vaccine passports instead of those within the country having to show those very same passports for moving within? I think so, Asa. And also, government really needs to step up in educating um, people. And, you know... I will believe my neighbor when they say there are two relatives vaccinated and then died on the spot. I'll be like, oh, it means this vaccine is dangerous. And then I'm going to be spreading that same story. Mm. Whereas I don't know anyone personally (laughs) who has vaccinated and then passed on. But because I heard from someone that I trust, then it just spreads like wildfire. So I don't, not just government only, even teachers, nurses, whoever us, the journalists, if, I don't know, a, a way needs to be found to educate people and say, no, this is wrong information. No, this is misinformation. Mm. Because people are scared also, Asa. Yeah, and as you say, I think education, education, I mean, I love uh, welcome as well, the Santaco welcoming 
the Western Cape government uh, making sure that people get their jabs in their taxi ranks, going ra- right there to the people and yes, reaching yes. out to where they are. Just education and, and, and better access, I think, is very much still needed at this point. Um, also, and, yeah. Oh, on. sorry. And also mm. another thing, people will see that, you know, people have been vaccinating since uh, almost beginning of the year and they're fine. You know, there are a lot of people who vaccinated and they are fine. So there are people who will be like, you know what, let me just go for it. Some people are waiting, you know, saying, um, unlike the measles jab or the yellow fever jab, it's been around for a long time. So maybe people are also, some people are just, you know, on a wait and see to see how long will this. But it has been approved already, the Pfizer jab by, you know, the FDA. Um, so, yeah, people are scared. Some are misinformed and some are just scaring people on purpose, which is not good, which is, it's, yeah, it's against, it's going against everything. Others going as far as calling for protests against vaccine passports. What do you make of that? And I've seen that also overseas. The danger with that is that it's giving the the narrative of the, of the vaccine being a negative thing power. Mm. If you're going to be now staging protests against it, um, but I don't think that's the way to go about it because it's either you know it's we accept it and embrace it now. Or eventually we'll have to embrace it. You know, um, one health expert said vaccines should be mandatory and only not mandatory where there is a a religious reason and an extreme health reason. So people can't, you know, necessarily say, I've got, you know, high blood, diabetes, therefore the vaccine. No, but it's already said that, you know, even if you do have chronic illnesses, that's when you really need to get the jab, Mm. you know, to safeguard yourself and your family. You know, people think the jab is just, you know, for an individual. It's not just you is getting the jab and safeguarding yourself. You're safeguarding everyone who's around you, your family, the people you interact with, your colleagues. So, yeah, we need, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, Asa, in getting people to vaccinate. And it's a world issue. This, this is the direction yes. we're going as a world. It's not a South African move or a, a certain leadership move. This is where we're going with the world. I mean, we're looking at different examples as well from around the, the world. You mentioned the different vaccine certificates we've had to show even before COVID and what uh, is happening in, in you, you know places like Europe where they have been taking or, or having to show passports. Also in the UK, uh, the government recently dropped their plan to make people show vaccine passports. But the reason yeah. was because there's a high vaccine uptake. So a uh, UK health minister there, uh, Sajid Javid, announcing that the, there's a high vaccine uptake so, uptake. so the government doesn't actually need to have people show vaccine passports. It's a world move. Absolutely, absolutely. And I also like, you know, what the, the, the soccer mascots are saying, you know, guys, we're watching Europe and the stadiums are full. We also want that in South Africa. We want that in the continent. And the only way to do that is to get vaccinated. So, you know, there is some sports people trying to appeal to their fans and hopefully, you know, there will be some something, some movement towards, you know, getting more people vaccinated. Mm. Let's uh, talk hashtag ANC. I think we'll continue talking this topic for <laughs> some time this week. 
maybe it's a very interesting kind of, topic. Yeah, hey, we live in these times. Hashtag ANC now. Let's talk about them. They're reportedly facing a debt in uh, about the amount of over 200 million rand, and they're owing more than 100 million to mm-hmm. SARS and uh, heading into the third month also of not paying salaries to their workers. Yes. ANC is facing a lot of issues, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's this thing of not being able to pay their employees. Um, having the Treasurer General, Mashatile, saying, you know, they will be, he said this two days ago that by the end of this week they would have paid July, and end of September they would have paid um August salaries. But now the problem is the staff are claiming that they've been deducting UIF and Provident Fund uh, deductions, but not paying um, the, the UIF and the Provident Fund. And so they, they're asking, is the ANC pocketing the money? And this just means that the labor has to go through, the labor department needs to investigate this because not just only SARS, but also now the UIF and um, Provident Fund. And not only that, Asa, you, we've been seeing how, you know, if they're not suspending um, people, they're firing people, you know, premiers are resigning and new premiers are being introduced, and then they failed to submit candidate lists, mm. which it was extended until this Saturday, and they were able to do that. And without paying the salaries, I say it's a risk because they need the staff to help with the campaigning, with uh, you know the organisation of for the branches and places. Yeah. So they're facing a lot of a lot of issues, Asa. You know. Um, yeah, there's yeah. quite a lot of issues, and as you say, they do need the workers. The workers have accused the ANC's top five of deducting their monthly salaries for the UIF and and pay, but now these uh, amounts that were deducted were not handed over to uh, the institutions that they were deducted yes. for. What do you yes. think uh, changed the minds of those disgruntled ANC workers who had planned to lay charges of fraud, corruption and theft against the party's head honchos? Maybe they spoke to them and promised them um, that, you know, they'll pay what is outstanding and they will prove that, you know, that money was not deducted um, for nothing. Um, because, you know, the party is also blaming the Political Party Funding Act, mm. uh, which was effective from April, as a hindrance to paying the salaries. How? How would and, that hinder? And paying its bills. <laughs> uh, what is the logic behind that argument? Because the Political say, Party Funding Act is saying disclose your amounts that are above 100,000 rands. And uh, then, then they did. It was three parties that did, the DA, the ANC, and Action SA. Yes. They reportedly disclosed about over 10 million rand in total. How does that relate to them paying salaries and SARS? They're saying they are experiencing a situation where a lot of companies are reluctant to donate. So, because of the party at fund. So, that's what they say. That's why they say they don't have uh, funds. Even the spokesperson came out of Pulema, they're saying he's also not been receiving his salary. How does so, that even make sense? Because this law was put into effect in April, started being in yes. operation in June this year. The ANC has had long history of cash problems, even as far as the time of uh, a former ANC Treasurer General, Zuelim Kize, when he was presenting his financial report to NASREC in the elective conference in 2017. So how does that even hold, that argument? 
And also, it's not making sense, as you say, the act was enacted in April. Last year already there were, you know, there was talk of the ANC not paying its uh, staff. Mm. So they just, I think they're just looking for scapegoats, loopholes, you know, try to to maneuver their way out of this. But the fact remains, they're owing a lot of money to SARS, they have not been paying the staff, and they have been fraudulently, allegedly, fortunately uh, deducting UIF and the Provident Fund. If the ANC were a person, though, they'd be forced to enter into bankruptcy and declare that or undergo some debt counselling or even be in prison for failing to take uh, the steps that are needed to turn things around in terms of the financial yes. crisis. Yes, absolutely. So, so how absolutely. should this be dealt with moving on? Should we be treating the ANC as a person? Right, it, it, it's an organization for now. Is, is it even a because if it was a private company, then definitely would be treated as an individual. So uh, we'll just have to. I, I don't know um, the the correct steps that would have to be taken, but they are asking the labor department to just you know investigate uh, with the labor minister who is part of the ANC. So. Uh, for now, we'll just we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, maybe things will pick up after the local government election. It's very tricky, but I mean, I don't see them filing for for bankruptcy. I don't think that's going to be an option. I don't know what the other options will be. I just don't see that one in particular. That's my view. But let's leave it there for now. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We went over time today, <laughs> but thank you for for staying with us, Kate. We appreciate you. Thank you, Asan Kondolis you and your family. Thank you. Um, May God give you strength and comfort you all. Thanks so much. I received that. Uh, Have a a great Tuesday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Busisiwe Khatebe, social commentator, discussing social media trends in the last 24 hours in our trending topics. Let's go straight to welcome.